0: All right. Here we go. Getting right, not getting left. Today we have Coach Durante Jones, a.k.a. Crow, as most of us know him. A friend and former teammate of mine now coaching with the Minnesota Vikings. The Capitol Heights, Maryland native would kick off his coaching career early with the Montreal Alouettes of the Canadian Football League back in 2011. as defensive backs coach and with UCLA back in 2010 of the cornerbacks coach. Jones was named assistant head coach defensive coordinator at Bowie State from 05 to 09 early on in his collegiate career. His defense finished in the top three national in three of the five seasons. Prior to coaching at Bowie State, Coach Jones served as defensive coordinator at two Louisiana high schools, Generette and Franklin back in 04 and 03. Also spent time in 02 coaching safeties at Nichols State. Before beginning his coaching career as a Graduate assistant, he was at Lenore Ryan University of North Carolina. So he has a very, very extensive background prior to emerging into the NFL scene. He also played four years, where I met him as a freshman, and he transferred in from Temple University, where he played at Morgan State and earning his bachelor's degree in 2001. Prior to the NFL, he would also coach at University of Wisconsin, bringing the Badgers defensive secondary to be ranked seventh nationally, and also University of Hawaii, taking them from 85 ranked nationally to the 11th passing defense nationally now fast forward he would then move on to coaching with the Miami Dolphins and the Cincinnati Bengals so now we have him coaching with Minnesota about to emerge with another prolific career I'm sure of it bringing guys to Pro Bowls he's just an outstanding coach I'm glad to have you today coach and you know tell us how you got started in sports overall and what what sports did you get going in
1: when I was a child. <laughs> I uh, So my, actually, my first sport I ever played was baseball. I was seven years old. That was the first sport, um, you know, just the activity to keep you out of trouble. You know how it is. And um, from that point on, got introduced to football early. Uh, one of my uncles and a buddy of mine growing up in an apartment in, uh, in Landover Hills, got hooked up with that. And it's just been Football ever since you know played basketball so then it was football and basketball and track you know all the way throughout uh you know pop Warner to high school and things of that nature and you know you just grow a love for staying active um, yeah and for us that was a way to just stay out of trouble you know it it, it provided some discipline some structure uh, a way to sneak an education in because you just focus on sports but you want to stay up to mean? <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> so it was uh, that that was it man it was just a uh, I just fell in love with the camaraderie and just, you know, being around the players and stuff like that.
0: I definitely agree with um, keeping you in tune with education because a lot of us athletes, especially our generation, right? Not that we're so old, but um, our generation really fell in love with being active and utilizing that avenue because we knew if we didn't get the grades right, we couldn't play sports. You know, so it kept us busy, kept us out of trouble. Like you said, I know for myself, definitely kept me out of trouble um and that camaraderie you definitely can tell um you were all about team effort you know from the moment i met you i was like wow okay this guy he he's really on top of it um you were just a natural leader in the backfield you know what about um what was it you know besides the camaraderie you know and i'm sure you know because i know you're competitive but what what aside the camaraderie and competitive nature of sports really kept you going and made you fall in love with it
1: uh, outside of the competitive nature, you know, um, it's it's the joy. I mean, with football alone, I think you have to learn to love it as a player. At least I did. I learned to love it as a player. Um, you love the contact. You just love the performance aspect of it. And then, I mean, all of my bonds were from Oregon State. You know, the, the, the guys in the backfield, the DBs on the defense and so forth, and you still keep in contact with all those guys. And so the love of that just generated throughout. Right. And it became a bond in terms of like a brotherhood. And so now what happens is from that point on within that brotherhood, you're still very competitive because we're just by nature, we're born that way a little bit, you know? And so you want want the best for the man next to you, but at the same time, you don't want to be the weak link, you know, you want to compete. And I think that just kind of continues to go on. So when you get to the coaching world of it, it's the same thing, you know, everything's about competition, you know, in the room, uh, guys in your staff, guys in the conference and leagues and different things like that, you always want to be your best. And so it's kind of a measuring stick almost, you know. Um, and that's just what drives me. That's that's kind of the... And then also being the only child, right? So I like had <laughs> the only child. You know, it's not like I, I had uncles. And so my uncles would, would, would pick on me and things of that nature. So you kind of got to show up. You know what I mean? And you want to like, pick up basketball, you kind of got to perform a little bit to be able to play with them. So yeah. Um, it just, the competitive nature is what drove everything for me in this game and the passion of it. And and the rewards of it is really, it's not monetary. It's never been monetary. You just, you just want to win. You just want to, you know, be on the podium. You just want to feel that joy, you know, of all the sacrifice that you put in is paying off. Yeah,
0: I agree. And, you know, One of the biggest things that stood out to me, besides your, you know, your, your, your sound effects on the field, (laughs) Um, you know, because our secondary, my freshman year and Melvin's freshman year, you know, you came in as a transfer and so did um, Kelvin. And, you know, we stood bigger frame than you did. However, you were the loudest on the field. And that I was like, whoa, this dude has a heart of a lion it was just insane and you just automatically I couldn't
1: put on for anything
0: <laughs> that is true but you hit like a ton of bricks though like you hit like a truck so that that helped you you just a natural leader back there and that i think fed off and stemmed from that competitive nature like you mentioned you know we all want to see each other do better but that competitive nature of like okay i'm the smallest guy back here but i'm gonna show you guys like i'm an animal you know so that was a big thing that stood out to me and, and we all look to you like hey they made that call. We're looking to you like, all right, let's go. Um, you know, playing high school sports, at what age did you realize you wanted to pursue playing in college? Uh, well, I grew
1: up a huge Notre
0: Dame fan. Okay.
1: Um, so the, I grew up watching the Tony Rices and, you know, Jerome Bettis and Reggie Brooks those days, <clears throat> you know. So I kind of grew up as a fan of Notre Dame. So I was like, man, I always wanted to go to Notre Dame, you know. And then, as you continue to play, um, I think college really, right around seventh, eighth grade, I think, um, is when it really hit for me. But I was getting hit over the head from my aunt. I had no choice. I was going to college. It wasn't how (laughs) to. She was like, "You're going to college. You don't have a choice not to because without a college education, you know, the chances out here are hard for you." Um, And so I didn't really have a choice. It was just a matter of where I wanted to go, and uh, you know, trying to get a scholarship elsewhere. But that's that's kind of what it was. There was no choice for me. I was going, yeah. And so the path. So then I went from public schools in middle school, then I went to McNamara, as a, which is a private school in, a, in the ninth grade, and uh, you know played there. And, and then you're around guys now that are going to college, you're getting scholarships everywhere. You know, um, one of the driving factors for me was I was a ninth grader, on the freshman team. You see these guys right at you play You see these seniors, mm-hmm. and they're balling. Um, you know, I'm all varsity. they making plays. they getting all these letters from college from schools and everything right. But then at the end of the year, what happened was in McNamara, they stopped doing it my junior year, but my first two years in high school, what they were doing was they were putting out in the newspaper, in the school newspaper across and printing out in millions of people's homes everyone who was getting scholarships, not just football players but in the, in the entire school, And they were putting down the dollar amount in which their scholarship was worth. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. So, you know, he had a four-year scholarship at this institution worth X amount of dollars. And you start to see that. And when you see that, you're like, man, I want to get, I want my name in that newsletter. You know, I want to put my name there. So that just became a driving factor. Um, And then you see the guys and you're playing with them every day and they're getting scholarships. And you're like, you know what? It's, yeah, it's attainable. Um, And you just, you know, work hard at it.
0: Yeah. That's it. I agree. Um, you know, playing high school in New York, it was similar, but they, that's definitely a big technique. I, psychologically, you know, you would think it deters some, some kids, but you know, for others, it would just level them up. Like, yeah, I want that. You know, I want to piece that pie. I want to be one known to get this too, because especially nowadays, like competition is even steeper for these kids growing up, you know, you have one of the
1: information, right? When you have it, when you see the information, And whatever, whatever it is in life, whenever you see that something is attainable, it naturally drives you because you're like, you know what? That's not the impossible. It's not. I I can I can go to college. I can do that, you know. Anything is not so because you always hear, like we grew up, we always hear, hey, everything is possible. Anything is possible, put your mind to it. Mm -hmm. But how many of us really truly believe that? Yes. Until you see it, right? And then down in the age of social media you're starting to see and you're becoming exposed to so many things. Our, our generation, our younger generations, they're being exposed to so many different things at a younger age that to me, I see the light is like bright, you know, yeah. is attainable. You know, if you don't want to succeed in this world, that's because you don't want to, but you can't say, I did not know that was possible. I did not know that was there, you know? So at a young age, that character starts to build, you know, that work ethic starts to build, um, but it's out there. I mean, you just gotta turn on the cell phone, turn on the TV, that's it, laptop, and you're gonna see someone doing something positive in life that comes from all types of communities, all type, different types of backgrounds.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's funny you say that because it does boil down to whether you want it or not. Because it is in your face. It, the opportunity is there. It's a matter of are you gonna get up or are you gonna sit down? You know, are you gonna make an excuse? Like even during this time that everyone's going through you have a small percentage of people who are putting in extra work to Uh, fine-tune their craft. Whether you're an athlete, entrepreneur, business person, you know, there are people doing that. And there are others that are like, oh, what can I do? I can't do this. No, there's plenty of opportunity because now you have time kind of standing still for you. You know, time really (laughs) never waited for anybody. But we're in a time now where it's like kind of slowing down for some people like, you know what, I can reevaluate, reassess, readjust, pivot, and tweak things a bit to get better. You know, I tell the athletes I'm training, I'm like, listen, if you don't have a fall season, I know you're going to be upset and disappointed. However, now you have a chance to even improve more throughout those other months that you're not playing. You know, so you want to be that athlete that comes into the situation, whether it's next spring or the following fall, where coaches are like, whoa, this kid didn't take a time time off at all. They really came back ready to go. You know, so it's seizing that opportunity, right? You know, because like you said, social media it's everywhere in our faces it's very attainable you know um at which point i'm presuming you know during college at some point you realize like i want to coach you know at what point did that hit you like you know i want to go coach
1: oh it did it really.
0: Yeah. i mean because you were well, like you were like a coach on the field
1: with us so you, and you know what it made it so i got uh i got injured you know i had that, that, mm-hmm. that uh, many stingers and my uh my sophomore year was cut short at homecoming. Yes. Um, with the stingers and I had cervical nerve root damage, tried to make the comeback my junior year that was shut down the training camp. And they were like, boom, you can't play anymore. And, uh, man, I, it hurt. I went to like depression You know, I, I couldn't go around the guys. I was, you know, I didn't have practice now and uh, I was in my room for a while. I stopped going to class and Dexter Davis came and, uh, you know, it was a DB coach at the time and he came and was like, Hey, why don't you just come and help me out? And, uh, that's when I started to come back around the guys, you know, from that coaching perspective um, or just being around really. Yeah. And uh, it just, it fed it. You know what I mean? Because you, you still want to be a part of the game. And I to be honest with you, AJ, I never thought about that aspect. You know, for us, we're so close-minded and we're so one track, you think the only way to be a part of the game is to be playing. Yes. <laughs> you know, and you realize now once that door shuts, you know, another door can open that you never knew, that you never even thought about that possibility of coaching. And uh, Coach Davis, he got me out of it. And then, you know, I got around the guys, started coaching a little bit, and just being around, being in the press box on game day. <laughs> now, and then what it did, it, it drove something else, because I was like, man, I, if only I can get back out there now with what I see from this perspective.
0: Mm.
1: You know, watching the game from above, you see all that, you see it, and it's like, this game is so easy, you know, and and you start to believe what everyone tells you, that this game is a easy game that is complicated by man, right? And we make the game so much harder, but when you see it from a coach's perspective, and you like, just, say, just let me just get one quarter back on the field, you know? Um, but that just kind of really drove, and I, I fell in love with the coach, and I fell in love with the development, you know, watching guys improve. Anytime you think you can, you feel like you can help somebody, or it may be that one thing, and they may just take that one thing, and it may help them, in, you know, get a quicker run pass key or something, right? Or, um, you know rap tackle a little better and then you started to see because they have success and they have a joy that makes you even more proud right yes. and uh, that's how I got into coaching man and then I went from there and then Dexter Davis kind of got me going with the uh, GA I had no idea what a graduate assistant was right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you know and uh, he was like well you know kind of what you're doing now but you'd be they that for grad school and things of that nature I said, Coach, how do I go about that? Like, I had no idea about the whole coaching world. And uh, he got me involved with it. I ended up getting a GA job and Lenore Ryan. Had no idea what questions I asked. You know, I got the job. Yeah, I take it. Had no idea that we had to win. Had no idea we had to win seven games we're all fired, you know? <laughs> and uh, we didn't win seven games, so the head coach got fired the day after this last game. And I'm like, I'm sitting in the staff room like, okay, now what? Yeah. Uh-huh. And, but that was my first introduction to coaching, but it just, you just want to continue and you just want to help guys improve in any way possible. Um, be it not only just on the football field, but also, you know, how it is developing young men yes, for life. become, become to become a man and what that means. And it's not all about what your buddy thinks or what you grew up thinking. It's about responsibility and accountability.
0: Yes. That was one of my favorite words, accountability. Which very um, is lackluster, I would say nowadays, um, floating around because a lot of a lot of young men and a lot of young women they they're not understanding, you know, to look at themselves in the mirror and hold themselves accountable because someone else in the world is going to do so, you know, whether they're working for someone, whether they're an athlete in college, whether they're you know trying to run their own business eventually, someone's going to hold you accountable for your actions, you know, so you have to be able to harness that in and accept. Constructive criticism in order for you to develop as a human being and as a person. You know, and yeah. guy, No, go ahead. Go ahead. Were you about to, um, to piggyback off what you said, to see it from a different perspective, you know, from the box, I'm like, oh man, this game is easy. Because I remember er, when I first started training the athletes, like living in Florida, even, and I was like, wow, this is really different. You know, seeing it from a different light versus just doing it because you're, you're so locked in from a young age of doing and doing doing. Now you're like, oh, let me help this person get better. And it's like you said, when they succeed, you feel even better. You're like, I helped this person get this, to that point, you know, so it's a beautiful journey.
1: You know, part of the accountability thing is the generation. It's, it's different, right? It's times are different. The environment is different when we grew up. Um, you know, we, we had to grow up around a quote-unquote tough coaching Yes. Uh, um, tough locker room. You had to prove yourself in the locker room. You know, the, the the upperclassmen, they made it hard on you as a young uh, you, <laughs> had the, you had to pay your dues, right? Yes. And so you had to pay your dues to be – that helped with some accountability a little bit. Um, you didn't come in thinking the world revolved around you. And a lot of the issues, some issues sometimes with especially these – I, like so, I got out of co- I, I got out of college coaching, um, and I enjoyed being in the league. I had some opportunities to go back to college, and it's different, you know. It, it's different when you know you're you're an eighth grader, you're a ninth grader, and everyone's after you, and everyone's telling you how great you are. Yes, and everyone's telling you, you know, that you can walk on water. And when you finally make it, you get to college. You come in with that mindset of, well, coach, you just told me I can walk on water. You told me I'm the best thing since sliced bread. But now that coach has to now de-recruit you and tell you, you ain't really worth worked- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you ain't really worth <laughs> you know, the crust off the bread. You know what I mean? And it leaves kids these days confused, mm-hmm. right, rightfully so, because they're not used to hearing the word no. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. And they're always being told how great they are without actually having to accomplish anything. Oof. And so the first time they hear criticism, they're saying, well, this guy doesn't like me.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree.
1: Kicking on me, you know, because yeah. and and, and, it, and it starts in the home, you know, uh when a person gets in trouble in school or the coaches say, hey, this guy's not playing because he doesn't want to do. He doesn't want to follow the rules. He doesn't want to be disciplined. Um, he's late to practice. He's not doing what the coach is asking him to do. And then you have the parent comes in the defense of the child yeah. instead of saying, no, he's right. My child needs to be more disciplined. My child, because it's hard for people to accept that, because that then becomes a reflection of them. Mm-hmm. And so the accountability goes from not only from the child not having accountability, but then the parent or guardian not taking accountability. And so it all—it it becomes a trickle-down effect. Oh, that's right! It's a
0: huge domino effect.
1: I mean, I to do that recently. So, exactly, and so now I think. Uh, you have some of those guys that have that competitive nature. They come in, you know, humble. They come in with a chip on their shoulder. But those probably are not the guys that were heavily recruited. Um, You know, and so I just think that accountability can change a little bit. Mm -hmm. It starts from the foundation. It starts from the ground up. It starts from, you know, coaches at professional level, coaches at the collegiate level, you know, high school level, Pop Warner. We all play a part in that at some point in time. And we all can help change that when it comes to sports.
0: No, I agree fully. Um, It definitely stems from home because like you said, it's a reflection of them, you know, the parent or the guardian, because they don't want to send someone out. And then their kid is like, Oh, I'm being criticized. They're like, no, my kid is right. But to me, I'm all about, you know, that life building aspect because, My athletes know Coach AJ is going to be an asshole. However, the world is not going to be nice to you all the time. You know, I'm going to commend you when you do good, but I'm going to tell you when your, you know, your effort sucks, period. I don't care if you're one of my top athletes in your sport or if you're the worst. You're going to know. Everybody's even killed. So that way they go in, you know, like my athletes now who are in college. It's cruise control for them because they're, you, they're used to being criticized, they're used to being told, No, I didn't do good today, so they don't even think that they ever do good, they always come out hungry to get better, get better, get better. Period, yeah. you know. So, and that's how that's, that's how you know, in a beautiful world, it would be like that. Um, and it goes back to what you said the coaching when we played was tougher, you know. Um, we didn't have heat advisories not to go outside, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it still oh, it rings in my head. I remember. My freshman camp went, and that was your first year, too, at Morgan. And the news was like, oh, don't go outside. It's 1, 105, 110. And Stump was like, I don't care how hot it is. We're going outside. And (laughs) and we're like, all right, I guess we're going outside. And I'm from New York. So that heat hit me like something different. And I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. But now it's different, you know. Um, Parents will come to the defense of their kid like, hey, coach, it's a little too hot. My kid has a headache or their stomach hurts or whatever. And then you have some parents who grew up like us who are like, no, they're going to play. Like, I don't care how hot it is or oh, you got hit in the rib. Okay, it's a sport. You're going to get hurt. Play. You know, so and it builds that mindset for life because, you know, as you groom these young student athletes through the sport to excel in and in the classroom, when they get into the real world and they're an adult, let's say they go for job interviews and they get rejected, they're going to shrug it off. They're like, all right, I'm going to get better. I'm going to find a way to get the next job. Versus saying, oh, man, I didn't get hired, you know, soaking and feeling pity for themselves because the real world's not going to feel pity for them. You know, just like um, a team, an organization that loses, nobody's going to feel bad for them. They have to fix it from within, you know, um, an athlete that's just not performing there's so many dynamics to it. You know, it's definitely like you said, it's a trickle effect. It, it's just universally it all intertwined some way, somehow, you know, that mental component. For me, like, what would you say has been the biggest obstacle being a an NFL coach? Uh,
1: The biggest obstacle? Mm -hmm. Well, every every week is feel like a championship week, right? I mean, um, just the performance of it and all that. But at the end of the day, just keeping your head down, try not to see the, try not to look to the left, to the right, um, it can be tough, right? It can be – because if you're at this level some, or at any level, right, you always want to see, okay, well, what what next in my career? Uh, you know, I want to become a coordinator. I want to become a head coach and things of that nature. But and you can get blindsided by that and you can lose focus if you're focused on the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And the so biggest obstacle, I would say, is regardless of the success or the failures, just keeping your head down, staying the course – um, being disciplined enough to, to move on no matter how, how good of a game uh, your guys played or how bad of a game they played just stay the course, you know, not, not having a season of up and downs um, because it's tough yeah. because the pressure is, as you know, this is a, uh, what have you done for me lately in business? And yeah. so, you know, the NFL stands for not long. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and so you're always putting probably more stress and pressure on yourself because you want to be successful you want to succeed and you want your guys to do extremely well because that is your resume you know their performance is your resume and so one of the obstacles that can always that you got that you're facing is you're constantly putting probably more pressure on than what you need to um that therefore you put more pressure on the players instead of you know you don't want you don't want them to play stress but because if you're stressed
0: they're,
1: they're going to be stressed right and so you just kind of have to manage your emotions, your day-to-day emotions, handle your manage your uh your mindset, how you approach the game, how you approach each day. Um and that can be that can be tough, but you got to stay focused on that.
0: I agree. Br- brings me to my next question for you cuz I'm big on the mindset. Um so every day you wake up, and like you said, you don't want to Harping on emotions too much because what, how you respond or your players see you, they're gonna respond the same way, and you want them to have. What well, well you want,
1: you, you want emotion, but you don't want to be emotional.
0: Yes, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for that. Good clarification. So, behind all that, what is your why, and what is what is your mindset behind all of that? You know, when you your day to day, when you wake up every day.
1: <laughs> my day to my, my day
0: to day is.
1: Honestly, I want to be the best DB coach that I can be. Okay, That's my day-to-day. And whatever happens beyond that or whatever opportunities come out of that comes out of that. But my focus is as I wake up, I got to be the best man I can be today. How can I be the best DB coach today? Um, and that's what I got to strive for. I'm not – I don't want to worry about, you know, how can I become a coordinator? How can I become a head coach? No, how can I become the best – at my position, my responsibility today. I want to own my role. Whatever my role may be, I want to own my role and champion my role because it's hard for me to demand that of the players, whatever their role may be, if I don't own and champion my role. And so that's all I want to do. Wake up, be the best I can be that day. Um, You know, I got to kind of joke, but you know, at 41, I'm not married, right? I don't have any kids. And so, my mindset is I kind of have the advantage to everybody else in the building. I don't have a wife and kids to go home to. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to outwork me. And so because I don't have anything at home, I can be at work and I can work diligently and efficiently and I can own the day. And that's all I can do. And then wake up the next day, put that day aside and start all over again and try to stack those days. Because if you continue to stack those days and you're trying to be the best every day at your position, at your role, whatever's asked of you, you got to own it, you know, be a champion where you are, you know, be the, be the best at whatever you are, where you are. And, uh, and I try to help other guys with that, you know, like a quality control coach who's looking like, I got to get a job. I got to do this. Or a GA when I was, oh, I got to do this. I got to try to get jobs. Hey man, just be the best GA you can be. Everything else will take, everything else gonna take care of itself. You know, and you got to trust that. And some some guys paths are different than others. Mm-hmm. Uh- and you can't focus on it because their path is not your path. Exactly. What God has for you is for you. And uh, that's what I truly believe. And so just continue to stay focused. I try to win each day, you know, so to speak. And I know that's like, that's like a, a cliche phrase, like win the day, but I try to win the day.
0: No, be I, the best. I agree. I, I'm all about that, you know, because for me, every day is a new day. Whatever I did yesterday is done. It's over with. Yeah. And I'm not thinking about... What I'm going to be able to do tomorrow, I'm thinking today I need to harness in and get better today. Even if it's 1% in all facets of my life, today I'm going to get better, you know, for myself, for my athletes and everything that I do. Because, hey, like you, I'm not married, no kids. So I have, you know, I have that situation. I could just put work in, keep on grinding, keep chopping down the tree. And it is about winning the day. And that's why, you know, I tell people either get right or get left, period. That's what's going to happen. You know, so you have to find a way. You have to dig deep, you know, because even as you try to win the day, you're going to encounter adversity. You're going to feel a certain way. But you have to tell yourself, I still need to push through, you know. So that's where that boils down to. It it comes from within. How how good do you want to be in this position? It's like I have some athletes and, you know, As a high school athlete, you play multiple positions, you know. And I tell some of them, you have your primary spot. Really work on that craft a lot. When the coach calls on you to play those other positions, great. Let your athleticism take over. But if you want to play in college at this position, you really have to focus on it. Focus on this main role that you have because that is your primary role right there, you know. It's just an advantage that you have that the coach can call on you to play multiple spots, and that's great. But really focus on that. You know, I have a kid now. He, um, he was set to go to Harvard this fall. But, you know, their season's not going. And he never wants to play defense. So okay. I said, you're very athletic. You're going to play defense in high school at some point. You know, but he was an all-stud running back. And I told him, I said, just focus on running back. When they call you to play defense, slot, return man, you'll be ready for it because we train for it. But we're not going to train on every single position with the same amount of intensity because you're a running back. And that's what you are. You know, mm-hmm. and he excelled at it. He finished, I think, number one in New York State his senior year. You know, in wow. all-purpose yards, rushing yards. He set a lot of records. So he's going. He's in the record books for a long, long time right now. Um, right. And you'll probably hear his name in a few years too. Like that's just. He the said he's going to
1: Harvard. Yeah. He, he gonna, uh, part. Part. <laughs> yeah,
0: he had his pickings. Yeah, he had his pickings, but um, that's a whole nother story. Um, it was interesting for him, but. Yeah, we'll talk about that offline. That's, oh, no, sorry. In any case, um, you know, how does it feel now, you know, when you go to Indianapolis every year to do some evaluations and you are seeing it from a different perspective, you know, because you're coaching more and now you see Stump Mitchell come on the field too, like, hey, you know, and now both of you are evaluating. You might be looking at the same guy, like, hey, how does that feel?
1: You know what? It feels good, man. It, it feels good, you know, running in the Stump. I remember when I first got in the league, uh, we took a picture together. We were sitting yeah. in the stands evaluating guys, you know. Um, it's, it's good. It's good when you see guys that cross paths. Not only, you know, think about just the guys that came through Morgan State, right? So, you, you know, the C-Stump, yeah. right? Dexter Davis coached me in college. You know, he's the team chaplain for the Atlanta Falcons. And so every time we play Atlanta Falcons, he's right there, you know. Um, not only that, not only just those two guys – Think about Damon, you know, the head athletic trainer now for the San Diego Chargers. Yes. Well, the Los, Los Angeles Cubs. Yes, been there yes. You know. You know, and you watch that, right? I mean, if you just think back to that, where every offseason, every summer, he did an internship with them yeah, every summer. Yeah. And he was the best guy, taping ankles in the building for us. Oh, right? no, no. <laughs> but just to watch how he goes from that, interning every summer getting hired after college, working his way the ladder, and now he's the head athletic trainer for the Los Angeles Chargers. I mean, it is a phenomenal story. And so just seeing him on the sidelines, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing, man, because we all know what – we've been there. We know where we came from. Yeah. You know, and, and each of our paths were different. Um, but it, it feels good walking on the field and seeing those guys, or even in the combine. You know, at the combine in Indianapolis, and you're seeing those guys, and we're just talking ball um, – you know, like, coach, what'd you hear about this guy? Oh, I heard this such and such. This is what I heard. You know, so you just you kind of give a little information here and there, just because you have that you have a relationship outside of that environment. Yes. Mm-hmm. And 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 one of the things, you know, I'm big on building genuine relationships. Um, you know, not just like who you know, you know, not just who knows you, but if you're in a bind, who can pick up a phone and make a call for you. Thousand um, percent. You know, building those genuine relationships where you don't want anything in return you just you just want to just get that person's knowledge
0: you
1: know you don't want them to get your job or anything like that you just want to build that genuine relationship where you guys can go and have coffee in the morning or whatever or have a drink in the evening and we'll grab dinner and just talk life yes. you know and be a mentor that way so you know those guys can do that I, you know i've hit stump up a couple of times and challenging things in my career you know coach what do you think about this you know what's your advice on this And uh, he gives you great advice. So you you can still call and uh, reach out to guys like that. Yeah, he
0: definitely does. I've reached out to him many times. (laughs) Just chop it up. Um, And, and, you know, you you hit something on, on the nose for me because you said to build genuine relationships and be able to talk about life. And I often get posed the question, why'd you transfer or what was different versus Morgan and Post? And I'm like, You know, because they always hear me talk about Morgan a lot, a lot more, you know. And I'm like, that's where I started my college career. And the bond, although I have some unique friendships with certain teammates from the second school, but that bond that created just a matter of two years of me being at Morgan, it's like so embedded in my heart. And that's why I'm able to talk to you, talk to Melvin, talk to so many guys, because it was just immediately solidified, you know. When I talked to Archie, like, the other day was his birthday, you know, and stuff like that. You know, so, so it's a different relationship. Once it's established, you know how genuine it is from the very beginning.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: um, and like I said, it's nothing to knock the school I went to and finished off at. You know, I have some great friendships I made throughout that team as well. However, it just wasn't the same, you know, environment for me because of how close we were at Morgan. Until this day, like, you know, see guys post stuff, everybody's commenting, a long conversation, you know. And it's just a unique blend of individuals that came together, you know, and for you to still be part of it after you got hurt, you know. And for me, I would come down there in the summer and train after I transferred. Yeah. You know, we're doing seven on seven other schools. And it's like, okay, I know defense, <laughs> let's go. Um, little things like that really just last forever. And I, I tell these my athletes, I'm like, you're going to make some of your best friends in college. You're going to make some of your closest friends in college. You know, so just be ready. It's a beautiful ride. Enjoy it. You know, it is. So, um, so with the mindset, the why I'm always preaching, get right or, or get left. What is it that you feel that, you know, I know you're constant. every day is a new day for you. But what else adds to that dynamic approach of I'm going to get right and not get left? And we'll close it off there.
1: So, so for me, you know, again, I grew up in a single parent home, right? Mm-hmm. But with just me and my mom, was kind of like the village raised the family, raised me, right? So yes. um, between my grandparents, my aunt, my uncles, um, my mom, it was a whole complete family on the mother's side of the family. And a lot of people sacrificed, <laughs> you <laughs> know what I mean? And so I don't want their sacrifice to be in vain. Okay, so that drove me, um, you know, m- watching my mom struggle, uh, you know, watching my grandparents helping out, you know, it that, that was a driving factor. So I think back to me, as you talk about the why, it started back from then. And so that's why uh, when I was homeless, you know, trying to get to this career, sleeping in my car in Chicago, right, sleeping in the locker rooms in UCLA, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um not having a place to stay and, and sleeping in, you know, have a blow up mattress under your desk. And when the players leave, that's your home, you know, and trying to hide that feel. But all of that was to get to this point here and beyond, you know? And so for me, I was like, well, I didn't, I didn't sleep in my car in, in, the, in February in Chicago oh, when man. it's minus 23. And I had to keep my car started all night. Some heat. Right and the and the little eighty eight prelude is just is just, <laughs> it's just in the wind just blowing right. Well, I didn't go through all that to stop now, right? So no matter what adversities you face after you, like you know what, I've been through worse. I got to keep pushing, and and also with that AJ is man, I stay prayed up, man. I, I, uh, Amen. Uh, God has been my focal point, putting Him first, and uh, without Him, nothing else is possible. And so for me, keeping God first you know, trying to stay prayed up because there's a lot of things out there, right? Yes. And, uh, no, and, and I'm not perfect by a long shot. I'm not a perfect Christian by a long shot, but at least I have some foundation. And that foundation is what helps me. And so when times get hard, man, I cry out to him, you know, and, and I ask for family. And that helps gives me the strength to keep pushing. Um, and that's kind of my why. And so my why now has turned to everything that I do, looking at the smile on my mom's face, Looking at my grandparents, they're happy and they're smiles. My aunt, my uncles, everyone who sacrificed, yeah, get me where I am or help me get to where I am. That's that's my why.
0: That is amazing, and and I I'm all about staying prayed up, man. Um, you may or may not have a couple of these books, but I'm gonna shoot you the text and so you can see them. Probably add them to your archive. Um, they've been great for me. One of them I'm reading now. Um. But, yeah, brother, I'm proud of you. Like, you're a great coach. Um, I think a lot of us knew it was the inevitable, you know, it was going to happen. Um, like I said, you were a coach on the field, too. You know, you were an immediate captain, immediate leader, you know. So before we close out, give give us that 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 sound effect one time. Give us that sound effect one time. Go ahead. Come on, man. I have hit that in hey, 20 years. Yeah, hey, you got to give it to him. Go
1: ahead. I don't even think can hit it that high anymore. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh. There, it is. <laughs> there it is, folks. Code Devontae Jones, a.k.a. Crow. All right, man. Um, It's been Appreciate real. It's been real. It.
1: Appreciate it, man.